Hello and welcome to the Turtle Entertainment Podcast. My name is Paul and today we're going to take a look at Erasure. Now, they're playing live at the Motorpoint Arena and I'm just going to give you a nice little bit of info on them. So, Erasure are an English electro-pop duo formed in London in 1985, consisting of singer and songwriter Andy Bell, with songwriter, producer and keyboardist Vince Clarke, previously known as co-founder of the band Depeche Mode. From their fourth single, Sometimes, in 1986, Erasure established themselves on the UK singles chart, becoming one of the most successful artists in the mid-1980s to the mid-1990s. From 1986 to 2007, the duo achieved 24 consecutive top 40 hits in the UK. By 2009, 34 of their 37 chart-eligible singles and EPs had made the UK top 40, including 17 climbing into the top 10. At the 1989 Brit Awards, Erasure won both. Erasure won the Brit Award for Best British Group. Beyond this mainstream commercial success, Erasure are also popular within the LGBT community, for whom the openly gay singer Andy Bell has become an icon in the UK. Although their debut album, Wonderland, in 1986 did not perform well, their second album, The Circus, in 1987, reached number six, reached number six and spawned four top 20 singles in the UK charts. Their third album, The Innocence, in 1988, was rendered a number one and was followed the same year by the Christmas EP, Crackers International, in 1988, peaking at number two. It set the scene as the first in a string of albums to place in the top spot with their next five consecutive long-form releases, releasing the pole position of the UK album charts. The albums Wind in 1989 and Chorus in 1991, the Abba Tribute EP and Abbaresque 1992. The compilation Pop, the first 20 hits in 1992 and then the album Say 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 in 1994. Erasure's best known songs are mainly from the albums of this period and include the hits Oh L'Amour, Sometimes, Victim of Love, Ships of Fools, Chain of Love, A Little Respect, Stop, Drama, Blue Savannah, Star, Chorus, Love to Hate You, Breath of Life, Take a Chance on Me, and Abba, an ABBA cover, Always, and Run to the Sun. From 1995 onwards, Erasure's commercial success began to fade with the atmospheric self-titled album Erasure in 1995, which despite being a critical success, confused its audience. The mixed reception of the following album Cowboy in 1997 confirmed a decline in Erasure's popularity until the album Love Boat in 2000, which went almost unnoticed. In the mid-2000s, however, the duo managed to make a commercial comeback in some European countries and the United States, notably thanks to their cover album Other People's Songs in 2003, followed by the album Nightingale in 2005, which won back the fans. The return to favour gave the band their last two hit singles, Salisbury Hill in 2003, a Peter Gabriel song, and Breathe in 2005. In the late 2000s, Erasure began a new commercial decline with the acoustic album Union Street in 2006, followed by Light at the End of the World in 2007. During the 2010s, the band's new album briefly charted with Tomorrow's World in 2011, Christmas album Snow Globe in 2013, The Violet Flame in 2014, World Be Gone in 2017, and finally The Neon in 2020. Despite the singles from this decade not managing to reach the charts, however, a solid international fanbase enables Erasure to maintain its activity through touring and, and online sales. 
Not to mention the royalties attached to the catalogue of their past hits. Outside of the UK and Ireland, Erasure are most popular in mainland Europe, enjoying numerous hits in Germany, Austria, Denmark and Sweden, and also in South America, especially in Argentina, Brazil, Chile and Peru. Erasure also had a strong following in the US, where the band had three hits, Chains of Love in 1988, at number 12, their biggest chart placing ever in the country, A Little Respect in 1988 at number 14 and Always in 1994 at number 20. In Russia, as well as in the former Soviet bloc countries, Erasure is mostly known for the song Love to Hate You in 1991. In France, Olamore in 1986 was the only hit of the band peaking at number 14 in the singles top 50 of that country. Overall in their career, Erasure have penned over 200 songs and have sold over 28 million albums worldwide. Now we've had a little bit of information, let's see what's going on down at the Motor Point Arena. We'll be back after this. Warning, this podcast contains strong, offensive and misogynistic language that some listeners may find offensive. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the P-Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055 and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the cops will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. New episodes every Wednesday. The links are in the description. And we're outside the Motor Point Arena right now. And I can already see some super fans of Erasure right at the front of the queue. Got one elderly lady who sat on a deck chair. And she didn't want to go on the record, but she told me that she'd been here since 6am. 6am. Interesting times. Now, I'm walking down towards the back of the uh, motor point, and I can see that there are... So there are four trucks on the outside and two tour buses. So some small to medium sized show. Let's see what it's like on the inside. A few moments later. So now I've got into the arena. I stand slightly corrected because I thought it was a uh, I thought it was a four truck show, but it turns out it's actually a six truck show. They had to send two trucks away for space in the yard because the drivers needed to uh, drop the trailers, and uh, and another tractor unit will come and pick them up later on uh, for the get out because tractors are needed elsewhere at the time. So I'm inside the arena right now and. It's a stand-in show. The mojo is about to go in by the mixer area and uh, in front of the stage. And this show is uh, LED set heavy. So you've got one, two, three, four, five different risers on stage, all with LED steps. Then you've got one, two, three, four, five, six. You've got the backing set, which is uh, full of LED uh, shapes, which are half circles going into full circle just in front of the middle video screen you've got video screens either side of the stage which are made out of the same type of led gauze screens that that bring me the horizon had so it's going to look pretty impressive once all the house lights are down and the lighting rig and video rig is up and running fully a few moments later it's just about 2 p.m now and the uh, last of the mojo is going in at the front of the stage 
and all the screens are now working in tandem together they're just doing color checks and making sure it's all nicely balanced but it's looking pretty good pretty good indeed and I've got a funny feeling that they will eventually winch the uh, screens up a little bit further I don't believe they're at their final heights at the moment because they're on the floor at the moment so the bottom of the screen is on the bottom of the floor at the moment so once they've got it all calibrated they'll get winched up even further so uh, they'll be ready to go all the risers on the uh, stage are now in the correct positions and they're all plumbed in lighting wise all the lights above them have been focused and it's looking pretty good the sound system has 10 giant subs in the pit facing the audience and it's also got some massive line arrays uh, hanging up stage left and stage right going dead on into the crowd and then you've also got traditionally like a lot of the other shows recently some smaller line arrays pointing at 45 degrees outwards uh, so they can produce a bit more surround sound so it's going to sound pretty awesome they haven't started calibrating the sound system just yet but that will come soon enough the mojo for the mixer area is going to be uh, established shortly although I believe it's only mojo at the front and they're going to put the bike rack ped barriers uh, on the other three sides of the mixer area and they'll probably end up double skinning the uh, bike rack to keep, to keep people away from the uh, mixing consoles lighting wise it's all in the air it's all been in the air for hours uh, they've just been concentrating on getting the LED sets up and running and the screens up and running and they have follow spots either side of the stage so yeah it's going to look pretty good follow spots are just there to uh, obviously put the features out on the principles but I can see that the show is not going to be fully dependent on the uh, follow spots to pick out the principles let's see though let's see I've got a funny feeling that it's going to be very AV orientated and uh, I hope that they don't disappoint with these uh, screens the screens are made uh, as I said earlier on, the screens are at the same type as what Brewing Wheel Horizon had, so, so it's an LED goals, and it's going to look really impressive. It really will do. So we shall find out exactly what it's going to look like soon enough. We'll be back after this. If you're a band member or an artist, dancer, singer, actor, street performer, and you're listening to this and you'd like to talk to us on our show about your uh, latest gig or your album release on uh, digital media or even uh, want to talk to us about a student show how about dropping us an email on musterxmedia1983 at gmail.com and we'll get you on our show and we're back so that noise that you can hear that's not static that's known as pink noise and that's where they're starting to calibrate the sound system to make sure that it's sounding okay now um, soon enough they're going to start pumping music for it once they, uh, they're happy with the calibration and then they do a full-scale test with it to make sure it's all been plumbed in and working correctly a few moments later additionally they have two sets of pit cameras they're on a set of rails they can slide it from side to side of their sector of the stage and uh, that's very handy because they get to uh, record up close to the uh, band as well as having the ability to record sections for the tour DVD and uh, this tour DVD will be made up of various different shows so they can get the best bits of each track ready to go for the DVD so it all has a purpose and it all and it will all look very nice once it's all ready to go I can see them testing out the camera feeds right now and uh, 
that what they're doing at the moment whilst the screens are out waiting to be winched up along with the uh, along with the circles that surround them they're just sorting out the white balance and making sure that both cameras focuses are at nice and sharp there's also a middle camera which is in the mixing area of the arena floor so you'll have stage left stage right and dead center and it's going to look pretty impressive once it, once it all vision mixes together. So backstage there's actually a guy in charge of mixing the show's video. So very, uh, very important and uh, highly technical job to do. If you know how to do it then well done. Because it is a very difficult job to do. A few moments later. Everything's now ready to go. The sound system's been completely calibrated. All the lights all set up and uh, refocused to uh, different dimensions of this stage. And yeah, all those circles look amazing. It looks like the Doppler effect. So that's what they think. That's what I think they're going for. The absolute Doppler effect. And it's very 80s in style. I mean, totally 80s with all the neons and whatnot. But now the neons can be any color they want because they're not neon. They're LED and they're as bright as neons and as leery as neons and they can be any colour they want rather than being one fixed colour. The stage does look impressive and um, from what I know from seeing it set up it is dead simple and sometimes less is more. That's all you need to know if you're designing a show for, or if you're a student that's looking to design any kind of show sometimes less is more. You don't need to have a massive elaborate design. You need something that's bold and full of attitude and you, you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. And that's what this stage setup says to me. It's bold, it's in your face and it's done on the cheap, which isn't bad. It's not bad at all. All these circles, they're custom built with LED rope. And this LED rope is the top quality stuff, which uh, is DMXable and it does look impressive once it's switched on and in the dark. It really does. Now, one thing that's interesting, there is on the stage, there's a merry-go-round as well as a set of swings. So this will be interesting to see what happens with the dancers. Well, I'm guessing the dancers will be on these uh, bits of props, such as the merry-go-round and the swings. And it'll be interesting to see what, what, what they do with them in the show. A few moments later. So the house has just opened and yeah, we've got people coming in nice and steady. We opened up the house a little bit earlier than what we normally would just to help uh, push uh, people through from uh, the COVID testing. And uh, unfortunately, it's just a fact of life now uh, until the Welsh Government says that we don't have to do random testing on the door and uh, we no longer need to check people's paperwork to get into the building such as the uh, COVID pass or uh, the uh, negative testing etc. But yes people, people are streaming in very nicely and making their way to the uh, front of the pit and we have a DJ to start us off so there is no support for tonight's act it's just a DJ and he'll come off half hour before the show starts and the show will start for two hours non-stop. Now I'm looking forward to this because now everything's working I'm just looking forward to having an amazing light show as well as uh, a nice vibrant atmosphere so fingers crossed. A few moments later. So it's five minutes to the top of the show. The DJ that they've had on since the doors have opened has just finished his set and uh, the crowd are all hyped up ready to go. 
we've we're operating tonight at roughly 85% capacity so far maybe even closer to 90 and um, it's going really well it's a hybrid that's set up tonight so you've got you've got all three bays of seating out pulled out as well as having standing room in the middle of the arena floor so uh, a bit of both because to cater for some of the older people as well as uh, more youthful uh, audience members so people can have a dance as well as uh, be sat down there's a lot of atmosphere buzzing around and everyone's waiting in anticipation for the start of the show we back after this this podcast contains themes that are unsuitable for younger listeners and parental guidance is advised it's been 30 years since they came 30 years no! They took my child! I'm gonna kill you! No! It's been 30 years since they came. New episodes every Friday. The links are in the description. And we're back. So after a short VT of a building being built from scratch, the show kicked off with no introduction needed because everyone knows who Erasia are. The lead singer Andy Bell came out in a blue corset and and black and yellow checkered trousers, whilst he play, whilst the keyboard player Vince Clark was in a grey suit. The backing singers looked like the ultimate drag queens with their bright over-the-top fairy coats apps that even cats from Red Dwarf would be envious of. Earlier on when I said about the suspended trusses at the back of the stage, well, when they were switched on, they looked amazing. Sticking to white light and constantly in breakup gobos, it just looked stunning. It really did look stunning and, and it was a unique way to make a basic set and lighting set up look really good. So the moral of the story is sometimes less is more and this is one of those cases where less is actually more when you know how to use the equipment and to what can be achieved in the way how you position your lights. Towards the end of the first quarter of the show the backing singers lost their at big over the top coats to reveal their Latino style dresses although these Latino style dresses they were neon. Neon green and neon orange and uh, yeah they looked real in your face and especially where the uh, slants of the dress were just constantly out there for everyone to see you know they, it was accentuated really big which had a really weird but good effect on it so the whole show was designed in such a camp way but even though it was incredibly camp it looked like it was great fun to be part of that i can guarantee and to watch a show like that if you like that kind of thing it was very fun to watch as well the centre screen was mainly a visualiser so it would have a bit of VT and then it would go from the VT onto visualisations which along with the lighting it blended in really well and accentuated the lighting design to great effect and that's the whole point of it you know these uh, visualisations were purposely designed for that show so they'll always be in exactly the same way and they were integrated into lighting design which makes it look even bigger and better. So when you're on a budget, how else do you uh, make it look good? Well, you've got your screens that you paid your money on. They spent the money on those screens, that I can tell you. And if you don't have that many lights, which they didn't, the screen does a lot of the uh, 
optics for it. It gives a nice aesthetic towards the rest of the show. It did feel like both Erasure and the audience were mutually feeding off of each other, you know, in the respect of uh, the crowd was just feeding the band with all this energy and the band, they just fed off of that and threw it back into the crowd and giving them the energy, hence why people were dancing continuously all night. It's been a long time since I've seen a show where everyone was just dancing like Looney Tunes, but it was a good sight to witness, don't get me wrong, you know, it's been a long time, it really has. And everyone that was there, they just enjoyed the show, you know, through and through. Now there was a big problem with the LED risers, well, one of the LED risers, which is integrated into the rest of the um, lighting design. So every riser had some LEDs on there, which changed colour with the with the set and accentuated the VTs. The forward riser where Andy Bell would sing most of his set, the um, LED just malfunctioned. It had a colour error, so it was mostly noticeable when every every LED on the stage was uh, bright yellow and it would turn red. When when it was blue, everything has to be a nice cool. A nice cool arctic style blue and but not that riser that riser would be a dark blue so completely completely different it was a shame but at the end of the day these things happen the show's been out on tour it's been on the road so at the set it just gets battered around in the back of the truck so next time it comes off the truck that particular piece of uh, led equipment that would be kept to one side and someone would be working on that until the show goes up if needs be to make sure that it's fixed. Now it's either that or they might actually have some spare AD sections which they can just remove the old one and put it in. It all, it all depends on the turnaround of the show. If they've got time to actually rip off the old to put a new one in and actually have a spare, a working spare, then they'll do that. But if they don't have a working spare with them, with them being on tour, you know, it's not often that you'd carry a spare of something like that, you know, as as it's part of the set. So it would just mean that some poor sod has to make it work and couple it together. And if he has to do a bit of uh, bodging, then so be it. As long as it looks good and it looks the way how it's supposed to, no one's going to care too much. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world. It's just. For the aesthetic of the show, it just didn't help matters, but as at the end of the day, it'll only be a professional that would pick out on, oh yeah, it's got a colour error, because everyone, everyone that's watching the show, they don't care if the uh, colour's slightly off balance on one LED riser, no, of course not, they want to listen to Erasure, and that's it, so for, it's basically an aesthetic thing that only a true pro would really notice, if you're just the general audience, nah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. So, roughly an hour into the show, well, halfway through the show, shall we say, Andy Bell decided he wanted to come out of his corset. So, Vince Clark came down from his uh, riser where his keyboard is with a big pair of scissors and chopped the uh, ropes of the corset so Andy Bell could escape. And once he was out, the corset was taken away by a stage crew and he was given a yellow t shirt. He put the other t-shirt on and there was a giant ape on there, which I didn't quite get the uh, joke about it because, to be honest, I was too far away from the sound stack to actually hear what was being said. Well, all I could see though was that he was wearing an ape on the front of this t-shirt. 
Anyways, the sound was ve was a very strong mix, but it didn't have the same clarity as previous shows uh, that I've done so far this uh, this year. I'm not saying anything disrespectful to the uh, sound engineer for uh, Erasure. He was really good. I mean, he was really good, a top, high-level quality uh, sound engineer. But you know, you can't always get the clarity that you want. It just happens. This is no disrespect to the sound engineer. I, I just think it wasn't as clear. There wasn't as much clarity as other as other bands. And it was the second loudest show since uh, the Motor Point Arena had opened up. And when I say the second loudest show, it was at the very top end of normal, which uh, legal limits is fine. It's absolutely fine. As far as the audience are concerned with the show. Erasure had the whole audience eating at the palm of their hand. You know, they had them, it was good. There was so much energy and vibrance was between the audience and uh, Erasure. They were mutually feeding each other and it just came across, and it came across as such. Now, for many of the uh, audience members who've been waiting for the show for a long time, because put it this way, it's had countless reschedules and cancellations because of coronavirus and now it's over and they got to do their show you could tell that it was well worth the wait especially if you were an actual fan of Erasure and when it came down to the encore the uh, when Erasure went off the stage audience begged not only did they beg and cheer they were banging their they're banging and stamping on the uh, on the folded tiers for of the seated areas clapping their hands chancing that they want more and yes they got more they got two more songs and as soon as uh, as soon as as soon as the radio re-entered the stage there was a massive scream and cheer and a massive scream and cheer of excitement and the show was allowed to continue and bam they did their last two songs and the audience loved it up they really did now, if you're a fan of Erasure and you and you weren't in Cardiff Motor Point Arena to see this show, if there's tickets, if there are still tickets going for the rest of the tour, and you can get your hands on them, I would seriously advise you get your hands on these show. On, I would seriously advise you get your ass down to that arena and watch the show. You'll love it. And if not, I would definitely try and acquire a copy of the tour DVD because there are bits that would have been recorded and at the end of the tour or towards the end of the tour they would have spliced the uh, best bits all together and released the DVD of it so if you can't see it in person get that DVD that that you would not be let down about not one bit if you've enjoyed today's podcast please give us a like subscribe and share and we'll catch you next time bye for now <laughs>